Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, your space to have nutrition, wellness, fitness, current event, ED recovery information discussed from a non-diet lens by a registered dietitian that loves research-based factual information and ultimately wants you to be able to have different viewpoints other than just the diet culture viewpoint that we typically see in the media to decide how you want to implement or not implement things into your life. So if that sounds like something that resonates with you, you are in the right space and I am so excited to have you. Oh my gosh, that's my dog barking. Hold on. Okay, we're back. I suppose I could take that out, but sometimes I feel like I like a little, just a little something different in the podcast, you know, just just leave it a little less edited, a little more fluid. I don't know what you guys think. So obviously, if you have some thoughts on whether or not you want to hear my dog barking in the background, please let me know. But what I was going to say is I'm especially excited to do this episode because I actually was inspired to make this because of a DM that I got. And I always feel like DMs or just questions are super helpful in the sense that When one person has a question, I feel like other people have a question. It's that phenomenon of how you're in class and you have this question that you want to ask and you're sitting there asking yourself if you should actually say it and then someone else asks it and you're just, first of all, relieved because you didn't have to ask it. But also you have this element of surprise of how did this person also have the exact same question of me? Like, yes, it makes sense, but at the same time, it's just one of those, oh, we're so connected type of moments. And It also feels very fitting to be recording this episode right now because I have decided these past couple of days to go on somewhat of a podcast marathon, okay? I will let you guys know that I am not the best about being ahead with the podcast. And there's a few reasons for this that I could get into, but usually I'm recording the week of because I just always want to make sure that if there's like a current event that comes up, I can record on it. But I've also realized that partially I need to just get over that and record in advance too, because you never know when you're going to get sick or something's going to happen. And so because of that, I have a little afternoon coffee to go along with the episode where we're talking about what the heck you should be putting in your coffee. What's the healthiest? What's the best? How do you decide? So this question has so many layers to it. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, how does it have so many layers to it? All we're talking about is what to put in your coffee. And I think that in in and of itself exposes the dichotomy and the confusion that is diet culture and the state that we are currently in with nutrition. Because everyone seems to have an opinion nowadays on everything with nutrition. And when you then scroll through social media or when you're looking up things online, it seems like pretty much everything is conflicting. And that has been exacerbated by the fact that over the past, I don't know, I'm going to say 15 years or so, there have been so many trends with milk. And of course, milk or cream is typically what goes into coffee. And then Along with that, we have seen a boom in the wellness industry, especially over maybe the past like 10, 7 years. And that has brought out t- 
tons of different options that were not previously available for things like milks and creamers. You know, you used to go into the store and you would just see like a half and half creamer, right? And maybe a few different renditions of that with dairy milk, maybe a coffee mate that was non-dairy, but not because it was trying to necessarily be non-dairy. You know what I mean? It was just like naturally non-dairy. If you know, you know. If, you, if you've been around Coffee Mate, you get what I'm saying. But now there's about 1,600 different creamers that you could pick, and they come from about every single thing imaginable. And so even going into the grocery store, it feels confusing deciding on these things. And so with all of this in mind, the trends of milks, the rise in wellness, the confusion people are experience online, experiencing online when they're trying to figure out what they should do, we have a question born about what people should put in their coffee because we drink coffee every day. And whenever there's something that we do every day, I feel that wellness and I see that wellness loves wellness culture, I should say, loves to kind of dig its hands into that and act like that's what you should focus on. It's kind of the equivalent of how in the financial industry, there are some of those kind of OG, old timey financial advice people that will say, well, if you want to save for a house, just stop drinking your morning coffee every morning out. And it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that by not drinking coffee out, I can save money. Totally get it. But let's not act like buying my $6 coffee out. Although, is coffee ever $6 anymore? Sometimes it's it's like 10. In Austin, Texas, where we used to live, it was so bad. I actually was surprised coming to Denver. It's a little bit less, but it is still like $6, which is, is a lot. But even if you saved $7 every day for a year, unfortunately, it's not a, it's not a down payment for a house. I'm sure many of us wish that. So that's what I see as the equivalent to the coffee conversation. So first, we're not going to be discussing coffee in and of itself in this episode. That's that's a whole other conversation. And this is also not an episode where we're going to be decoding and debunking and talking through every single element of milks that get criticized. To give you an example of what I mean, oat milk, for example, commonly falls under fire for blood sugar or seed oils. And I have episodes on those topics that I will link below. Another example is people getting upset about GMOs in milks. So I will link that episode down below. And those will go into the full science-based, research-backed conversation. Because if I did that all in this episode, it would be, I'm not even kidding, probably eight hours. It would be ridiculous. No one would want to listen to that. At least I wouldn't even want to waste your time listening to that. So we're more talking in general about some of the kind of psychological aspects of making this decision and questions to ask yourself in adding something to your coffee. So let's just start off with asking why we may be asking this question, which I know is kind of a silly place to start. But if you feel like you're in a place where you are questioning the first decision that you make every day with food slash beverages, there has to be a reason why. Do you feel like you're lacking confidence in your food decisions? Do you feel stressed about how you look and you've been on this journey of changing it? Do you feel like someone was 
judging the way that you ate and so this made you feel like you need to change it? Did you get some type of diagnosis from a doctor or are you dealing with bad gut health issues that make you question everything you eat? What is it that is making you question the decisions that you are making with food? That is the most important thing to start off with. Now, we can't go through every single one of those examples, but I'm going to kind of run with this example of not being fully confident in your decisions around food. So then ask yourself, why am I feeling that way? So let's say it is that you aren't feeling confident in your decisions around food. Maybe it is because of the fact that you have been scrolling through social media more and you've been seeing a lot of different conflicting information. Maybe when you went to the doctor, for example, like I was saying, and got a different diagnosis, you felt confused as to where to go with that and how to actually help yourself to be your healthiest. And you're worried about about how to, like what to do for that, right? So there could be different things as to why that's happening for every single one of you guys. So the next step here is the simplest one, which is asking yourself, what do you actually like to have? What's your favorite? What do you like the taste of? Why do you like it? How much do you enjoy it? Or are you drinking something right now, adding something to your coffee right now and telling yourself you like it, but you actually don't like it? So maybe you love whole milk, but you're drinking 2% milk, even though you don't really like it, just because you feel like you should like it. So it's both what do you want to have and also what are you currently having and are you actually content with that? So in the ideal world at this step, if you were to say my favorite thing is oat milk, then I would say to you, you should have the oat milk. And I'm going to give more explanation than that because I am a fellow logical gal, and I can't just have people telling me things without giving me more context, so more is to come. But I'm just saying that in the ideal scenario, you would have what you like. Now, I understand that the reason why you're probably not having what you want and like right now is because of a bunch of different experiences that you've had or information that you've seen that makes you feel like you shouldn't. And maybe there's another reason, but I I would guess that for most of you, it's that. So now we need to understand what is it that makes me feel afraid of this milk or makes me feel like I shouldn't have it. So maybe for the oat milk, it is the seed oils thing that I talked about. And so you really are afraid of having that. And in that scenario, going and listening to that seed oil podcast I have may be the step for you. If you're a really logical-based thinker, you feel like you need all the research to understand something, probably need to do that deep dive to fully dispel that fear. And I can tell you right here, listening to this podcast, that seed oils in and of themselves, they are not inflammatory, that it is actually a ratio between omega-3 and omega-6 that are important. And that having seed oils is not a bad thing based off of the research. But I imagine for some of you guys, that may not be enough. You may need the deeper dive and that's okay. So that's why I have that episode. Same with the blood sugar thing. That could be similar with a lot of other topics, right? Maybe the GMOs, soy, 
which I don't have an episode on soy, but I'll try to find kind of like a comprehensive list of these things. But I can tell you overall that there is not one thing in milk, not one ingredient, not one of the things that people call out as stabilizers or whatever it is, that you need to be afraid of drinking and putting in your coffee. You don't, I promise you. But if that isn't enough for you, I understand. And I think that's where that deeper work to debunk that information is so powerful. And you can always message me or DM me too, and we can talk a little bit about it. Now, some of you guys may not feel like it's an information thing. You may feel like it's an experience that you've personally had. So I'm going to use the example of like a creamer. Maybe you're putting a, a creamer that is a dairy creamer into your coffee. And every time you put it in there, you just, it doesn't feel great. You feel a little gurgly in your stomach. You're just like, ah, I don't know. Like, is, is this really what's best for me? Or you have any other type of experience when you put something specific in your coffee that maybe you just, you don't feel 100%. So that experience, it kind of takes, first of all, some trial and error, but also an understanding of where you're at. So for example, I have a lot of people that will tell me that they have an adverse experience to eating a certain food such as dairy. Dairy is a really popular one. But when we dive a little deeper, we learn that they've been struggling with disordered eating and they ended up removing that food because they thought that it was bad for them and they've been trying to add it back in. And now as they've done that, they've had some adverse symptoms. That's very normal. You know, again, I'll link the gut health podcast to talk some about this. But you got to give your body time to reacclimate when you've restricted foods and, and you've the gut lining that you have is altered at this point in time. So it's going to take some time to get your body reacclimated to that stuff. Another example is that people will say, well, I don't know. Sometimes I'm bloated, but sometimes I'm not bloated when I have it. And so then I want to know, well, what is happening on those days where you are bloated? And they tell me, oh, well, I'm, I'm running out the door. I'm so stressed. I haven't slept well. Sometimes I won't even have had breakfast and the coffee is the only thing that I have. To me, that, that already tells me, okay, so you're in, you're in fight or flight mode in that, in that moment. Your body isn't ready to digest. You're not giving your body any nutrients and it makes a lot of sense that then your, your body would have that reaction when you are ingesting anything, first thing in the morning, I don't know why I said first thing in the morning, really just when you're ingesting anything, when you're in that state. Now, there are other examples where maybe, you know, every single time you have something, it creates an adverse reaction. And there can be validity to the fact that it may not work well for you. You know, I've had clients that I've worked with before where every single time they were having something. It was just making them feel bad. And we looked into it and they had celiac disease. So, you know, it's important to listen and understand your body. It is harder when you are dealing with disordered eating or an eating disorder because the reactions can be very mixed and your brain can lie to you. That's why 
in Live Unrestricted. This is such a huge focus we have. Tons of people in Live Unrestricted that come to the program. They are dealing with some sorts of intolerances or foods that they don't feel like they should have or that don't make them feel good. And we take a lot of time to understand what foods maybe are things that don't make you feel good and what foods are maybe things that are just really intermingled with your own stress or your own fear or something else along those lines. So that's just something to keep in mind as you go through this process. So we have the information piece of it. We have the experience piece of that. Maybe you even have to do a little bit of both of those things. And then once you feel like you can come more to terms with all of that that we just walked through, you can add on the next layer of it, which is a broader explanation that I always like to share. And I will say that this is one of those things that doesn't have research specifically that says, yes, this is 100% true. But it is one of those things that I have gotten to see time and time and time again within myself, within close to 300 clients that I've worked with. And to me, also just in the bigger picture of life, it holds so much importance. So when we really start to get into these minute little details with nutrition, like worrying about what it is that we're putting in our morning coffee, we start to teeter on the line of obsession or hyperfixation, or at least just a really heightened focus. And yes, sometimes these moments can be fleeting, but many times when I'm talking with people about this, it's not. It's very distressful and it's very hard for them. And if every single morning you are waking up stressed out and then your cortisol is either flying up or it's not reacting at all and you're all dysregulated both emotionally, mentally, physically, and you add another layer of that by drinking coffee and even drinking coffee with something that you don't even like in it. Like you don't even like this disgusting almond milk that has like one ingredient in it. I'm not saying that it's bad if you like that. I'm just saying this scenario, this person doesn't like it. And then throughout the day, you you continue to carry on, right, with this level of stress to a certain extent. Because if you're stressing about something like putting something in your morning coffee, it's likely that that's kind of carrying throughout your day. That is not healthy for our body. That level of stress, that level of exhaustion from constantly questioning yourself, it's just not beneficial. And even if we don't have the research specifically to say in this exact scenario with coffee, this is happening, we can look at overall research on disordered eating and eating disorders, and we can see that heightened stress and rumination around what you eat is very detrimental. Now, if we were to compare this to an opposite scenario where you wake up and you don't even have to think about what you put in your coffee because you're very confident in what you do and you're excited because you have your favorite creamer and you're putting it in there and you have that cup of coffee and it brings you so much joy and then you carry throughout the day still not feeling that worried about food. You know, you you have things that make you feel good, which your coffee and your creamer is included in those, 
that's a very different experience. You're not living in this heightened state of stress. You're not living in this fight or flight mode, which by the way, when we're in that fight or flight mode, as I said, affects our digestion, affects our ability to to feel our best, to be present. And so if we can choose between those two experiences and compare them, we can see that there is a high chance that the benefit that you could get from picking the quote-unquote perfect milk for your coffee, which there's no perfect milk, right? It doesn't exist. That is ultimately negated by the entire negative experience of what's going on with you making that choice. And the joy that you experience from having something that you really want overrides likely, again, any of the quote-unquote negative pieces that could be present in just adding the creamer that you really like. And I'm not saying the creamer is bad, right? I'm, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying if we really look at it logistically and ask ourselves what makes the most sense here, we start to see a layout of kind of a choice in how you're looking at life. Trusting yourself, trusting your body, trusting what makes you feel good rather than obsessing about whether or not you're doing something perfectly enough based off of what other people tell you. And whenever we start to feel like we're always looking to other people to tell us what to do, it's not usually a positive thing. Now, I've said this in a few of the recent episodes that I've done, but when you are really out of touch with your body, so for example, with the clients that I've worked with before, some clients in Live Unrestricted that are still a little bit out of touch with themselves, you sometimes need the help and support of someone to kind of draw you back into touch with your body. Because your mind may be convincing you of things that aren't true. So to kind of expose myself, there was a point in time where I had convinced myself I was intolerant to dairy. And I would never have it and I had removed it for a long time and I had had one experience I think where I got it randomly and from having somewhat of a negative reaction I was like certain that I was basically allergic to it and spoiler alert I'm not I eat dairy now and it is completely fine for me and there was this time where I went to a coffee shop and they accidentally put milk like normal dairy milk in my coffee instead of oat milk or almond milk. I don't remember what I was ordering. Probably almond milk, actually. If I'm thinking back to the ED days, I probably would have been doing that. Um, And I literally worked myself into like a throat scratching, I assumed like somewhat anaphylactic reaction because of how much I convinced myself that I could not have it. And that is the power of what our mind can do to our body. It is beyond what we can even imagine because what we believe is going to happen has a bigger play in what actually does happen than we can really even conceptualize. And so that's why I'm saying when you go into the morning constantly stressing about if what you're having is beneficial, it's probably not going to feel very beneficial to you. 
If you go into the morning feeling so good and so confident and so excited about what it is that you're having and just not worried about it and you just allow it to be that thing that brings you joy, it is likely going to be very beneficial. And we have to also just pair that with this acknowledgement that your morning coffee is a very small part of your day. You know, there's a lot of other ways that you can add in different things that are supportive to you. Adding in fruits and adding in veggies and adding in nuts, making meals that make you feel really happy and just your best and nourished. We don't have to obsess about every single little thing we do. When we look at places that really thrive and people that really thrive within their life and the role that nutrition plays in that, it doesn't involve obsession ever. And so that's why I think it's so important to not get too caught up in obsessing about these types of little things within your day-to-day. I really hope that this layout was helpful for walking you through this question I do a lot of this type of work in my DMs when you guys send me questions because I never like to just give blanket responses. I feel like, first of all, I'm not technically allowed to give advice in when I'm not working with someone because it's not allowed. Like it's not, it's really not legal for me to do so. But I also always want to be supportive. And so usually I just ask a lot of questions, try to understand what it is that you're dealing with, why you're dealing with it, and we can kind of walk through it and I can share general information kind of like this, right, where I can ask some questions, pose some thoughts. And my ultimate goal is always to help to guide you to what feels right. And that's exactly how I view my work with clients, how I view my work in Live Unrestricted. I am not this person that knows best. I am someone there to help guide you and we work together to find what your version of the most fulfilled version of your life and relationship with food looks like. And we take out the noise and the things that aren't helpful for you, whether that noise is an ED voice, whether that noise is a family member that's telling you something or it's something you read online or it's whatever it may be. We remove that noise so that you can have clarity within yourself. And since I've talked about Live Unrestricted a few times in this episode, I will mention that it is linked in the show notes if you're interested. If you aren't familiar with it, it is my 12-week signature course to help women that are kind of stuck in this place where they're not as bad as they used to be, but not where they want to be with food, exercise, and body image, break free into a fully unrestricted free life. And it's, it's my my child, this course. It's, I love it. It's so, it's just the best. Everyone that is in it is the best. The process of getting to chat with people that apply to it are, is the best. So I won't go on and on, but if you are interested, the next steps would be doing a quick application. We do a free, no strings attached discovery call, chat about any questions you have, and there's never any pressure to join. It's only if it is the right fit for you. And that's, it's not the right fit for everybody. And I will always be honest with you about that. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate if you gave me any feedback, if you wanted to leave a rating or review, but there's never any pressure to do so. Just being here is so appreciated by me. It means the world. And 
oh, I just realized I forgot to rate this on a scale of one to 10. Some of the recent podcast episodes haven't been easily placeable on our diet culture scale, which if you're newer to the podcast, this is essentially where I rank rate I rank or rate and I made it into rent. I'm not sure. Rate things on a scale of zero to 10, zero being no diet culture, 10 being the most diet culture. I guess what I would say is that this topic of making people feel afraid of what they put into their milk or put into their coffee in the morning, it's probably like an eight because it's just such a necessary fear mongering. All right, my brain is going kaput. That's the seems the podcast marathon is over and we must move forward. And that is all. <laughs> I'm so awkward. Oh my gosh. Also, this is another thing. I feel like the luckily l- wow. Okay, I feel so lucky because I got an email the other day from someone saying, hey, we are doing some market research on podcasts in the top 50 for nutrition. And I'm sitting there thinking, "Uh, okay, well, I'm not really sure why you're contacting me because you probably have the wrong person. I'm definitely not on this list. So I thought to myself, what, where is this list even? And like, let me look it up. So I looked up top nutrition podcasts or like top 50 nutrition podcasts. And I go to these websites and I see, seems like diet culture on there. I see my podcast at number seven on one and number five on another. I, the level of shock I experience, I cannot even explain. I was so surprised and then just overwhelmed with gratitude for you guys being here listening. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot appreciate say how much I appreciate it enough. So had to end on that note, but now I am actually officially going to be done because I don't know if I'm making sense. I can't wait to see you guys again here soon. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day.